0: Welcome to Rich in Life, a podcast for anyone looking to be entertained while picking up a few tips on life, luxury, and resilience. And now your host, Rich Irani. Hi, so today I have Daniel Rosenberg from the Sad's Law podcast. If you don't know who he is, he recently went viral about a rant on Jew hatred. We discussed the Palestinian and Israeli conflict and where he stands on it and his knowledge on it. And we share our political views. We also talk about the differences between the UK and the US, Brexit, and where he stands on that, and what it's like raising kids in this politically polarizing environment. Let's get started. Daniel, what a pleasure. (laughs) What a pleasure for you to be on Rich in Life and to have me
1: as a host. I'm very, very grateful. Thank you for having me.
0: It's my pleasure. Um, there were these videos of you, I'm sure you know, with the, with that um, famous, uh, those rants that you had, which got me into your podcast. You've had some really great guests and um, I found them to actually be <laughs> really interesting. In fact, I was listening to another episode this morning, but I had to uh, stop in the middle because of this podcast. What time is it for you
1: uh, thank there? Thank you for listening. It is about 3.30 p.m.
0: Here. Okay. 10 yeah. here for us. Um, and we're actually not in New York today. We're by the beach in New Jersey. What Wonderful. part of the UK do you guys live?
1: We live just outside of Manchester, which you may have heard of for various reasons. Yeah, yeah vaguely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's the northwest of the UK. We call it the Northern Powerhouse. It's the seat of, well, the, the founding center of the Industrial Revolution in the 1800s and has a rich, cultural, musical, sports history, very little of which I've had anything to do with. But that's that's where I'm born and bred,
0: thankfully. Wow. It's a little chaotic here in the house because the kids are home. I know you have three kids. Is your office yeah. in your home as well?
1: It is, it is currently, yeah. Thank you, COVID, for setting <laughs> that up. <laughs> yes, uh, we have
0: yeah. to send the Chinese a gift.
1: Yeah, yeah. Not today, maybe one Not day. Not today, but yeah. Well, but, needless uh, to say. Yeah.
0: Yeah, anyway, I'm not going to go there. Sometimes I just go off the grid and just say stupid shit that, <laughs> that Brad cringes that. from.
1: I'm absolutely fine with that. Yeah, <laughs> we, 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 we set up, well, uh, my main office for the other things I do was just about a mile away. And because of the pandemic, we moved everything home. And we were in the process of setting up a small podcast studio anyway. So we've amalgamated the two. So it's worked out pretty well. How old are your kids? Seven, five, and almost one. Wow. Okay.
0: So Brad and I have um, seven-year-old twins. They're going to be seven in about two weeks. Wow. So we feel like we're kind of, you know, out of the woods with you know all the baby stuff, and as soon as you get out of it, you're back in it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, but really, what a pleasure because I miss babies. I miss the babies. I miss that stage. They're just terrific, and I know you have a girl, boy, girl. Is that correct? correct? Correct. Yeah. So I want to know how I, I love the name of your podcast, uh, the Sod's Law Podcast. I mean, that's very, you know, it, it's like what we consider Murphy's Law. Whatever's going to go wrong is going to go wrong. That's what the Sod's Law. How did you come up with that name, or were you living in a bad luck era?
1: So I would describe my life as a series of failures where I fell upwards. I've, apart from the last few years, i made a series of really shitty mistakes and somehow I'm not homeless living in a gutter. I've got an incredible wife, partner uh, in everything that I do. I've got three absolute blessings of children. I've got incredible business partners, everybody I work with. No one's tried to screw me over successfully to date. Everything's gone well considering I've made some serious mistakes in my life. And Sod's Law is just something, it's a very British axiom, idiom. I can never remember which But yeah, if something's going to go wrong, it's going to go wrong in the worst possible way. And what you might find if you ever deal with or speak to British people, specifically northern British people, is despite that being a very pessimistic attitude, we wear it on our sleeve. We're very optimistic pessimists or pessimistic optimists where, yeah, you know what, if something's going to go wrong, it's going to go wrong terribly, but we'll be all right. We'll be okay. Everything I think
0: that's why I think I was drawn to you and your podcast because I am a chronic complainer. I'm a huge <laughs> pessimist, but it works for me. I find that it works for me. when everyone, you know, yells at me and Brad gets frustrated, I always say, but that's part of my charm, you know, yeah. but I like the way you put it. You also said something funny that I liked your life is a, su- is a success story of failing upwards.
1: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So flunked out of university, had issues with mental health didn't do very well in my first foray into the world of work and business which was for me back then accounting and finance and yeah somehow I'm running a couple of businesses one of them with my business partner Jake which fell on my lap 7 years ago now and it's it's the reason why I get to do things like this I've run a business with my younger brother that's going incredibly well in the kids educational publishing sector And I get to do this podcast and I'm somehow still married to Victoria, who is incredible. And yeah, if I I highlight a couple of those failures, I failed a three-year biomedical sciences degree in four years. I somehow landed a job at an accountancy firm and got fired from there after two years after just falling out with them and ran a business myself cataclysmically for 12 months after that and somehow ended up doing what I'm doing now. And yeah, I'm not a perfect person. And I think talking about that and being open and honest about one's imperfections and flaws is something that is encouraged nowadays and can really help engage with other people. And that seems to be part of why I'm doing okay right now It's because I'm not presenting myself as what I want other people to see of me I'm just trying to present myself as I am. And sometimes that's not very pleasant, but at least it's authentic, I hope.
0: No, it is authentic, and I appreciate that. So I want to go back a little. Um, you grew up in, in Wales. Did you grow up there? or
1: No. So w- my connection to Wales is actually only recent in, in my life, and that's through my wife's family. My wife's family lived between manchester where we are now and north wales and when i met my wife in 2007 it was part and parcel of right we're going to wales for the weekend and the uk is not very large not large at all but where we are a bit near a massive city all you have to do is drive an hour and a half to the west and you're in rural wales with rolling hills sheep pastures mountains lakes and it's part of our life Really, part of a life, and it's been difficult to not be there during COVID because Wales, rightfully so, shut their borders to to people coming in to protect the rural communities because the rural communities there don't have the same resources, especially like hospitals and things like that. There, so the people flocking there to spend their lockdown in beautiful countryside was not it's an beautiful isolation. Correct, correct. So I, I grew up in North Manchester in a place called Presswich that is maybe 15-20 minutes north of the Manchester city centre and I went to university in Manchester as I said I, I flunked out of that and then when we got married we moved to south Manchester which is maybe half an hour south of the city and yeah it's where we've both been brought up my wife originally was from Liverpool but has spent most of her life in Manchester and we've set up our family here our businesses here and both sets of our families live here and it's wonderful it's a and you beautiful- guys started young we did yeah so we were engaged at 22 and 21 married by 22 and 23 I think that's about right and had kids by the time we were 25 yeah
0: it's amazing. And you grew up in a pretty much, um, you know, a conservative household in terms of, you know, you had your, both your parents were Jewish. You were pretty
1: traditional. As it's traditional. Yes. Conservative. No, not no, really. Right. Um, so the benefit of being a Jew is it's both a religion and an ethnicity. It doesn't require belief for you to be a Jew, which is a, a really nice thing, even though it's misunderstood. So we were traditional in the sense that we kept kosher at home we didn't travel on the sabbath on saturday but we'd watch tv and we'd we, we'd we'd do everything else apart from travel and eat, eat non kosher food and there were these values instilled upon us quite liberal progressive values at the time it doesn't Matter your love, long love, so good, and you gained. And if we were bullied at school, our parents would say, Well, kill them with kindness. If you ever have to fight, fight in self defense, stand up for who you are. And it it meant that we, we were surrounded by people of all backgrounds and all faiths, but we were strong in our Jewish identity. And because our family was a British Jewish family, we were very proud to be of Britain as well, being of. The City of Manchester and of England, and it meant that being a Jew was separate to being British, but both were something we we wore quite proudly and conservative wise well yeah I, I think uh, politics is a difficult thing in the u k because it's becoming more and more of a popularity contest i 'm sure you might know about like in the u s but yeah, we had a very liberal loving upbringing with the Jewish way of life as a core more than anything else.
0: So, you know, what's amazing to me is that what you just said is incredible in the sense that, you know, your family and your parents taught you to kill people with kindness and, you know, always try to do the right thing. Yet these social justice warriors that we have today um, are doing the exact opposite. I find that they're the most divisive, most violent, and how did we get there, which is uh, incredible to me because, you know, being a New York City person and, you know, you're a UK, we kind of are living the same thing. Mm. I mean, I, I don't know if there are really any differences. I mean, you've got your Brexit. We had our, our Donald Trump. I mean, we both had our, you know, crosses to bear. But the 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 dividedness of our country, I don't even know if that's a word, but we're so divided here that it's so hard to even, you know, be honest about the way you feel about anything. I mean, where do you stand with the whole Brexit?
1: Has it affected
0: you personally?
1: It has, in a way, I'm in business. So it has in a variety of different ways. And we've been very fortunate in that regard. And the whole Brexit thing, like the Trump thing, it's gone on for years now. It's not just something that's just happened. We had the referendum in the summer of 2016, and I voted Remain. I'm proud to be part of Europe. There are many benefits to have been, been within Europe. But there were some negatives as well. There were some valid reasons to leave. What I wasn't happy about with the whole Brexit campaign was the partisan nature, one against the other. It split the country in half. And if you were seen to be voting leave by the other side, you were seen to be the other and vice versa. It was, it was the first time in my memory where there was such a divide in the culture in the zeitgeist in the country. And it wasn't a positive thing. And you saw that with Trump as well, in that now, even now he's no longer in office, you have people making lists of people who voted for Trump, (laughs) uh, ignoring Joe Biden's failings because he was not Trump. And the attitude is not nuanced. And I think Bear in mind, I'm a moron. I don't know what I'm talking about. No, you happen to be
0: very smart. I'm the moron, but keep
1: going. (laughs) From my limited perspective, and I have to say it's a limited perspective, social media has a huge part to play. Not that it's a wholly negative thing. It might be a net bad overall, but the, the negative aspect I see is that it gives people the right to scream their opinions when their opinions might be unfounded. Everybody's entitled to their incorrect opinion. And it means that people can spout rubbish and people can consume that rubbish without ever checking its validity. And it means that we're fighting against one another. We're tribal. And it, it isn't a positive thing for society. Joe Rogan talks about it uh, based on the conversation he had in that the information that is put out there is processed through social media, through the Twitter sphere, Just like processed food, is bad for you processed information is bad for you as well you should be listening to long-form nuanced conversations and debates about these matters rather than quick fire three-second answers in a political political debate you want to hear people who know their shit talking about it in a way where they look at the pros and the cons and there's no conversation about saying well I look at these conservative values and I really like them and I look at these liberal liberal values and I like those too and make your decisions based on a smattering of both. No, you have to be red or you have to be blue. You have to be black or white. Remain Brexit. I don't agree that that's the right way to approach anything and Bridget Phetasy refers to it as political homelessness and that applies to many things throughout our culture right now, both in the UK and in the US. Many people are politically homeless, and they are reaching out and saying, this is a hypocrisy, and it's not something we want to be a part of.
0: Yeah. A big problem is also, I think, celebrities. I think uh, that's one of the biggest parts is uh, the celebrities and how they rule even the media and how even, I think, the Democratic Party in at least America rules the media. So you're getting you know, people just following these things by artists or celebrities that they love, and they just follow suit. Hey, if they think this, then I'm going to think the same thing. For people that don't know what Brexit is, um, it's when the UK pulled out of the European Union, and some people were for it, some people were against it. You, um, you said you were against it; you wanted to stay, but they had. Yeah, but you know, you say there are pros and cons to both, which is understandable. But either way, everybody is entitled to their opinion, which I'm finding today that kind of that no longer stands.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'd agree. I'd agree. Is it the same thing in the UK? Yeah, yeah, I think we. we The main difference between our culture and your culture, Rich, is geographic isolation. We're just separate. But we watch the same TV shows on Netflix. We follow the same celebrities. We, almost every podcast that we, I listen to is an American podcast. We consume each other's culture. You watch The Crown. We watch, I don't know, Breaking Bad. So it's, we're living in each other's pockets in that regard.
0: We are, and uh, I happen to love The Crown, by the way. I can't wait
1: for the new season. Yeah, I I enjoyed it as well. It's good TV. It's it's
0: great TV. It's entertaining. It's quality.
1: Yeah. But I think the main differences are, I don't know. I don't know. I'm no expert on this. But in the UK, there are some, it's funny, you can travel half an hour outside of your hometown and have passed through two different uh, dialects or or accents. The, The Manchester accent there's maybe four or five different types if you go 40 minutes away you've got the Liverpool accent a very strong accent you're 40 minutes the other way you've got the Yorkshire accent it's a very small country but incredibly diverse within its people and within its history so I think that might be bleeding into one thing uh, the, the British culture is not just one thing. Like say, if you something I, I've been asked by Americans before. So, do you drink tea and do you, do you speak the Queen's? No, I'm I'm from North Manchester. <laughs> I speak a little more rough, and I like coffee. They, they, I, There's no two the same, but then you go down south and they might like rugby instead of football or they might like biscuits instead of cookies. I don't know. There's lots of different groups of people in the UK and it's very difficult to generalize. And I think it's the same in any country, any culture. As soon as you start generalizing, the British this, the Americans that, the Jews this, the whites that, you're just making incorrect statements on the assumption that everyone's the same or similar.
0: Yeah, that's true because I'm generalizing right now that even though your accent is a little bit rough and probably not the finest in where you are, am I correct in saying that? You're not like, you know, you're not the, yeah, I mean, I still think it's so superior to anyone in America. I mean, I listen to even the Cockney accent and I can listen to it all day. You know, plus I watch a lot of Acorn TV and, you know, I just love all the accents and I'm always trying to pinpoint, is that a Scottish, is that Ireland? And, you know, between that, and the beautiful landscaping. I absolutely yeah. love to watch, um, you know, uh, series that are on Acorn particularly because mm-hmm. most of them or all of them, I think, are in the
1: UK. So I'm not aware of Acorn as a, a channel or a network, but what the UK does really well is churning out high quality media content like reality tv here it isn't just housewives or um, love island and things like that there's lots of money being put into interior design shows into gardens and landscaping countryside it's a, just a very diverse medium within tv and film in the uk and it's doing very very well and it's being gobbled up by audiences in the us genuinely um, in terms of my accent if you were to stick me in some of the rougher neighborhoods of Manchester, I'd be considered quite posh. But then you speak to my wife's family from a posh part of Liverpool, and they'd consider me to be a bit of a scallywag. But it's again, it's it is so varied. It's very difficult to generalise.
0: It's kind of like what you said earlier. Uh, you fail upwards. You know, it depends where you are, but you're kind of failing upwards in life. Yeah. Yeah. Are the actors in um, in the UK as vocal about politics as um, the United States?
1: Again, it's difficult to generalize, but some are, some aren't. Let's There's, generalize uh, for the fun of it. For the sake <laughs> of the podcast, let's generalize. So There definitely are. There's some very politically active uh, people within the UK, some of which are very educated and very succinct with how they dress it. There's a few Jewish actors that, are at the forefront of the anti-Semitism debate because we've got a big issue with anti-Semitism in, in the, the UK's political spheres right now. And we've got comedians. i get here in
0: America too, but we, I want to get to that actually. We might as yeah. well do that now, so continue. Well,
1: so there's, there's some incredible actors and comedians like David Bedil, Tracy Ann Oberman, who are Jewish and they're fighting against Jew hatred. It's not necessarily to do with the Israel-Palestine debate, but it's about the hypocrisy around... Uh, Jew hatred being the last acceptable form of racism in our culture, it seems. Correct. And you've got incredible Irish actors and comedians like Ashling B, who is a very liberal, progressive voice against all sorts of injustice to do with homelessness and to do with raising awareness for the arts and things like that. And I, I, there are so many British media types who have become valid personalities talking about injustices or highlighting certain causes Acro- across the board across the board there are some even more famous more prominent now i wouldn't say as a positive force but people like roger waters the former bassist for pink floyd yeah. who is at the forefront of the bds movement which yes. arguably is a racist uh partisan organization under the guise of supporting the genuine plight of the Palestinian people. So there there are people in all walks of life who focus on a variety of different issues.
0: You know, it, Roger Waters, his townhouse was two doors down from Brad and I on 61st sixty on first Street. And okay. I used to have to pass it 10 times a day to go to the gym back. And, you know, he's got this beautiful townhouse. And ironically, Brad and I lived in one of Donald Trump's townhouses that he owned. We lived in one of the <laughs> floors. And, you know, it's a long story. I discussed it with David uh, Dave Rubin on my podcast Uh Right before he ran for president, uh, we had we were having our kids, and um, we had a surrogate. We knew we were bringing them home in a couple of months, and I couldn't find another place to live, and I wanted the bottom floor. To make a long story short, the Trump Corporation said, we are not allowed to rent you two floors. To one person because if you stop paying rent on one you stop paying rent on two of them i understood that i have a little bit of real estate i get the mentality but looking around all over new york city i couldn't find a place because we were leaving two people going to wisconsin and coming back with six people we had the twins we had brad's mom and we had a nurse so yeah. i had nowhere to put them and you know i ran into a guy who happened to have been very close to donald trump i thought he was a just a handyman his name is ray garrity yes i'm giving you a shout out ray I, he, big Irish guy, very big Irish guy. And he always asked me how I'm doing. One day I said, I'm hanging on by a thread. And he asked me why. I said, I have nowhere to put the kids. I have nowhere to put this family. She could go into labor in two weeks from now. He said, let me talk to, he said, why don't you take this apartment, Blair's? We were downstairs. I said, they won't give it to me. He said, let me talk to the big guy. Anyway, it turns out I had no idea. I spoke to everybody in the corporation. I spoke to Sonia, Michael, Peter. Who's the big guy? I thought I already spoke to the big guy. He tells me the big guy. I said, who? Give me the number. I know how to talk. I can charm anybody. He says, Trump. I go, you talk to Trump? He goes, 10 times a day. I'm going to talk to him in an hour. He was buying the carousel in Central Park, and Ray was trying to talk him out of it because it's always more work for Ray. He goes, let me talk to him. I'll, I'll give you a call back in a, you know a couple, in an hour. So anyway, I, I, he leaves. I roll my eyes, and I tell Brad, I go, how likely is that? I mean, what is he going to tell him? Two fags are bringing home kids now. And now all of a sudden, you know, he's going to say, okay, when his whole corporation on Fifth Avenue that I went to, I offered them six months security, you know, they're going to suddenly, he's suddenly going to say yes and go against the policy. Turns out an hour later, he called us back, Ray, and said, yeah, he goes, you got it. No problem. And he says, congratulations. He's very happy for you and Brad. So that was great. He gave us a whole year to prep ourselves to move somewhere else. And it was as easy as that. So every day I'd pass Roger Waters' house and I'd want to throw something or say something. I was so angry because, you know, I kept hearing stuff on the news about he's trying to get everyone to stop playing in Israel. Yeah. And I'm thinking, you can't even get your band back together. What makes him think he's going to make peace between Israel and everybody else? So,
1: I'm, I'm, again, I'm not an expert. I'd recommend if anybody wants to look into what BDS actually is, to have a read of Noah Tishby's book, Israel. The most a simple guide on, on the most misunderstood country on earth, which looks at the whole history of Israel and the, what's going on there from a very liberal perspective and breaks down what the BDS movement actually is and why it, it, it is not what it purports itself to be. It's a very negative thing in the world. And Roger Waters is one of these people who I would say you can't argue with him, he doesn't like Jews. And you can't argue with people who don't like one group of people because there's no reasoning with them. However, you can reason with the people who follow a cause like BDS thinking it's a positive thing, people who want to do the right thing. You can talk to people, educate them, or ask them to educate themselves on the history and as to the origins of groups like BDS. And I would say if if you don't know what BDS is or you've been watching what's going on with the whole Israel-Palestine thing, the, the conflict in Gaza, do your homework. Don't just go and fly a flag or hold up a placard with a star of David with a swastika painted over it because you think you're doing the honourable thing. You're not. You're being led. Don't be a sheep. Make your, own ass- make your own assessments. Make your own opinions. And if you come out of doing your homework and your opinion is that's what you've got to do, then fine, I can't argue with you. But I'd say this whole situation, which has led to a huge rise in anti-Semitism and Jew hatred across the Western world, is a wholly negative thing. And also, by the way, talking about the hypocrisy, the people marching through the st- streets of New York chanting free Palestine from the river to the sea were not chanting free the Syrians from Assad when 5,000 people were, were either, was either killed or displaced this week. No one's mentioned that on the news because it's not popular. It's not popular. They
0: they don't mention anything other than, you know, what they see right in front of them or if it's against Israel. I think Israel is the main target here. And for people um, that don't know what BDS stands for, it's Boycott Divanction divanction, Sanctions. Is that correct? Correct. Did I say correct?
1: correctly? Boycott Divestment divestment Sanctions.
0: And what they want to do is boycott everything made in Israel so Israel does not, you know, make money. But yet they don't want, and if you're going to do it, then boycott everything. Boycott the medication, boycott the phones, the computers, the apps, and everything else they do.
1: Yeah, it if you've got a pacemaker in your chest, that's right. Rip it out. It's that's brutal, right. but if you really want to, it, it's a crazy thing to boycott a country. Nobody's boycott. let's say you completely disagree with Israel's foreign policy or defense policy, which is up for debate. You can't say it's not up for debate. Why aren't you debating China's foreign policy? Why aren't you debating Russia's? Again, this is whataboutism. It's not a wholly perfect thing. But why aren't you debating your own country's attitude towards foreign policy? The, to, to say that, well, I support Israel's right to exist. I just don't support its government. Well, you, don't, you can't say that reasonably with any other situation in any other country. The only country it's talked about like that is Israel. And it's not something I like to talk about too much because it's, it's a sticky situation. But the hypocrisy of it is real and it it is affecting us directly. I'd love to not have to talk about it. I have hid my head in the sand for many years not talking about Israel.
0: So it's funny, I wanted to discuss that with you as well. You've had your podcast, the SADS podcast, for about three and a half years. Is that correct?
1: Uh, We've been, well, we started doing the recordings about two years ago now, and it's been live since December 2019, so 18 months or so. And yeah, our focus is not on Jewish issues, on Israel. We talk to people from all walks of life
0: you have you've had everyone from you know um bipolar um experts and doctors and children's books and all you you talk about everything and yet very recently you've been very vocal about anti-semitism how has that played out with your family with victoria i mean so
1: bear in mind i am very fortunate that i am married to somebody who not only has a similar outlook to me but can normally make me see how she sees things and is quite, quite good at educating people into, uh, on situations that they don't understand. I haven't talked about Israel at all, really, because my education on it is extremely, extremely limited. So I've quoted Noah Tishby's book. That is a fantastic tool to educate oneself on the history of the situation. And once you know the history, you can formulate your own opinions. What I do know a lot about is my own lived experience being a Jew living in the United Kingdom. You can't tell me I'm right or wrong about the state of antisemitism because I've experienced it, I'm experiencing it, I'm living it. And as are many people in similar positions to me. So bear in mind this this whole rant video thing that went Jewish viral a few weeks ago, that wasn't outside the norm. It, the only, The main thing that was different was that I put a video out. I've been putting out podcasts once a week, every week, since December 2019. I've talked about being a Jew. I've talked about anti-Semitism. I've talked about the Holocaust. I've also talked about how I had two pet parakeets that escaped, lived in my bathroom, and shat on me while I was in the shower. But (laughs) the point is, the only difference is is that I put out a video of something that was incredibly personal to me, that I was already kind of talking about. The effect it's had has been tremendous tremendous it's a little bit echo chambery because obviously mostly jews have picked up on it and gone yes this is how i feel also but people from the wider community as well people we're close to people we've never met before from all walks of life have said this is not something that is okay we don't want to stand for this seeing videos of people driving 300 miles from one city to another to wave palestinian flags burn israeli flags and say fuck the jews rape their daughters on the streets of the UK, or like in Baltimore, a Jewish man was shot for the crime of walking whilst Jewish. Uh, Fireworks were thrown at Jewish people in Manhattan during the whole Israel-Gaza conflict at the end of May. That is not something we are willing to have to explain to our kids as a normal thing. You've got two, I've got three. I don't want to have to say, right, Victoria, how are we going to have to explain to our three children that they are universally hated by various types of people not because of something they've ever done not because of a belief system they hold but because of their ethnicity
0: for just being born correct and uh, the interesting thing is that people don't realize that the palestinians have more freedom in israel than anywhere if you're gay and you live in lebanon or syria they can legally throw you off a roof stone you to death stone you to death and women can't you know go out and have sex before marriage. They're not Mm -hmm. supposed to be wearing makeup and working. So the freedoms they have in Israel are so much more than they have in their own country, yet they want to burn the flag of Israel, and they want to annihilate Israel, which I don't know if I believe that most of the Palestinians feel this way.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure what the general consensus is, but I saw something this week that was shared by an incredible LGBT activist scottish born now living in la she's called eve barlow and she posted up um, um something that was on instagram that was i think it was gays for gaza and she said this is very upsetting because that's like saying chickens for kfc aye,
0: because aye, aye. now <laughs> yes. bear in mind i think
1: it has to be highlighted the situation for the people of gaza is horrid it's horrendous they are being run by a, a terrorist group hamas, hamas and life for everyday palestinians in gaza is shit Please don't think that anybody who's pro-Israel, like like me, is okay with that. There are people who are okay with that. There are people who are right-wing nationalists, is, nationalist Israelis who want to take all the land. I don't agree with that. I think there should be a safe place for Jews and people of all races and ethnicities in the region to live safely. However, what are the facts? Israel is the only democracy in a sea of homophobia, transphobia, racism misogyny chauvinism and islamist extremism to some extent but within that there are everyday normal people who just want to live safely and peacefully there are and i'm not going to be here saying rich here's the solution to the problem i haven't got a clue i haven't got a clue what the solution is come on you do tell me
0: what the solution is daniel it sounds like you have it you're hiding it in your back pocket
1: (sighs) what i do know is that The problem is misinformation and ignorance. Calling someone ignorant can be quite a condescending thing. It's a bit of a buzzword. But think of it in the literal sense. Ignorant without knowledge, right? If you don't have the knowledge of the history of a situation, you shouldn't speak out on a situation. I've not spoken about Israel for most of my life because I am generally ignorant. I'm slightly less ignorant today than I was a month ago. But that doesn't mean I've got the right to spout my opinions. The problem is the people spouting theirs right now are overwhelmingly, majority of them, ignorant of the facts. And I would say if anybody listening to this wants to learn more about the situation, they absolutely should. And then make their own opinions based on the knowledge they accrue. Okay, that makes sense.
0: It does make sense, But you don't have to be an expert to say and to make a statement. They should not be teaching hate in these Palestinians and these Arab schools in any of the countries. I mean, that is goes without saying and this is one big problem I've always had with, you know, our leaders is that, you know, you want to make peace, it's easy to say okay, we're going to make peace and shake hands with Arafat on the front lawn of the White House. That's not how you make peace. You make peace by going in there and making sure that they're not teaching to hate Israel, to hate America. That's what That's where it begins. I think that you don't have to be a brain surgeon to say, I mean, this is one place where it can start. It's the teaching of hatred. You know, when I was in Israel, we went for a bar mitzvah and um, it was many years ago and we were with 30 people. And of course, you know, we had a escort with us as you do when you go to Israel with many people. He said, we're walking through the Palestinian um, neighborhood now. So let's all keep together. And, you know, everybody behave. He was talking to the kids. I wasn't a kid. I had my young nephews and nieces. But as we were walking by, you know, we were enjoying the views and we saw these cute little kids right on the side of us. And we were saying, oh, they're so cute. Look at them. And they were smiling and waving up until they saw our yarmulkes and they realized that we were Jewish. And Mm -hmm. out of nowhere, they started spitting on the ground and their faces were frowning. And these were very little kids. I mean, I have seven-year-olds now. These kids had to have been maybe two or three years old. There was two, three, four, that kind of thing. And at first, I thought somebody from our group antagonized them or threw something because I didn't realize that that's what it was until one of our, um, one of our bodyguards that was with us, you know, one of our security people, told us that's why they were spitting.
1: Mm. Well, this is a microcosm for the entire conflict where you've got learned hatred. Hatred isn't innate, it's learned, either by experience or it's taught. Now, those seven-year-olds spitting at your feet, they could have been taught that hatred, or they could have had family members who were killed by the Israelis. They could have been ejected from their homes, either legally or not. So it's it's not something that has a cure-all. You can't put a Band-Aid over the situation. It's generations deep. The trauma for everybody involved goes deep, 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 deep. And like you mentioned, you don't have to be a brain surgeon. I agree with you. Let's say if you saw a helicopter in a tree, you wouldn't have to be a trained helicopter pilot to go, somebody fucked that up. (laughs) But that doesn't mean that you go ban all helicopters. It means you go, the people who fly them have got to know how to fly them. Right? I don't know if that analogy makes any sense. But the point is, yeah, it's it's very easy to say the Israel-Palestine conflict is a shitstorm. But that doesn't mean anybody who can say it's a shitstorm can say this is the solution get rid of israel push all the arabs into the sea no they're people and when i think the both sides of this conflict start treating each other more like human beings we will get closer to a peaceful resolution and you could argue of the history that the israelis have got a better history of trying to vie for peace than the palestinian authorities But it's still shit. It's a shit situation that's very difficult to solve, and one thing that Trump tried to do, whether you love him or hate him, he progressed peace talks, and now they might be pulling back from that. But it's it's a horrendous situation for all involved.
0: So what do you make of people that say that they do love Jewish people? They have nothing um, but love for Jewish people, but they don't think Israel um, has the right to exist. They should give back the land. I mean, what do you think of that kind of rhetoric?
1: So let's let's address that literally. I like Jewish people, but I don't think Israel has a right to exist. What happens to the millions of Jews living in Israel then? Let's say the current prime minister, um, Naftali Bennett, who came in only in the last week or two goes right you know what i concede let's give this all over to the palestinian authority over to fatah what happens to all the jews living there what happens to all the the gays living there what happens to all the christians living there what happens to the bahai the bedouin the Druze? what happens to all the people who aren't palestinians do you think rich or anybody listening reasonably that it will stay a safe place for people of all walks of life to live I would, based on precedent, say no. Gaza, before it was Gaza, now as it is now, was occupied by Israel. There were flourishing farms and factories and communities. And it's basically been turned by Hamas once it was given back in 2006, been turned into a terrorist hub by Islamist extremists. Bear in mind, I have to clarify. Nothing against anybody who believes in Islam or is of an, of an Islamic background. This, we're talking about radical extremism. I have to clarify that. Now, in terms of saying a state should not exist, that's inherently problematic. Let's ask another question. I like Jews. I just don't like Zionists, right? I'm, I'm, I'm an anti-Zionist. Well, I would ask that person, what do you think Zionist means? What do you think that means? the literal history of the word zionism is just someone who goes it's just i believe in jewish self-determination zionism at its core is purely saying that jews have the right to live safely wherever they want to live just like christians can just like black people should be able to just like anybody of any color any race and any creed just beef and free live where they live now why is it a problem that Jews have to be self-reliant and say that we want to be safe as Jews? Well, if it's it's a problem that only Jews are... Sorry, I should re-say that. Why is it that only Jews are a problem for saying that they want to be Zionist? It seems to be the only group of people whose self-determination is a problem. Now, I know that there is a lot of misinformation about what Zionism means. People think Zionism means anti-Palestinian. No, it doesn't. Zionism just means jewish people wanting to be safe and free and in the case that uh, in the case of israel they have an established state that's 70 odd years old why shouldn't it continue why shouldn't it continue alongside a palestinian state i think most israelis would be for a peaceful solution i think most palestinians would be for a peaceful solution but the people at the top in historically on both sides have not necessarily fought for that common good and again it comes back to education i like jews i just don't like israelis i like jews i just don't like zionists well why is someone who's born in israel responsible for israeli policy why am i as a british jew responsible for what the israeli defense forces do that's inherently wrong it's generalizing again which is a problem People problem. hold.
0: I think people hold Jews to a completely different standard. I think that's one of the biggest problems we have is that Jews are held to a completely different standard, which is why anti-Semitism, as you stated earlier, um, is more tolerated. It's the most tolerated. I mean, you haven't heard a peep from people like Chelsea Handler or Deborah Messing or all these other actresses or um, who's the other comedian? I forgot her name. Anyway, you haven't heard a peep out of them. I mean, they screamed about Black Lives Matter. They screamed about. I
1: would, I would disagree with you on that. Deborah Messing, in particular, has been very vocal, and has she? She shared my video, and she she's actually very vocal against Jew hatred and anti Semitism that I've seen in recent weeks. I don't know about Chelsea Handler, but let's add add a couple of other great examples in there. Sarah Silverman.
0: That's what I was thinking
1: of the comedian Sarah Sarah Silverman. Silverman. Seth Seth Rogen. Not a word. Well, no, it's not even not a word. It's left lefty Jewish people living in hollywood or within the hollywood hollywood sphere protecting their careers and their jobs by being openly anti-israel or being anti people who are pro-israel so uh, a great example is the seth rogan eve fartlow thing eve barlow who i mentioned before she is a jewish pro-israel uh, music writer and activist and there was Her her name was trending instead of Eve Barlow, Eve Fartlow. People were gaslighting her. And Seth Rogen, instead of standing up for someone who was fighting for Jewish rights and against anti Jewish racism, just joined on the bandwagon, jumped on board, same as Sarah Silverman. Now, these are people with incredible platforms who, if that directly affected them, they'd be screaming just as loud as anybody else. But the argument is that these people have got careers to protect whether it's in New York or L.A., it isn't a very popular thing to be pro-Israel. It isn't a popular thing to be pro, or it, what's the word I'm thinking of, be against anti-Jewish racism. So they try and keep their jobs. And then the people who do scream and shout about it Put their careers at risk.
0: They do. And, you know, Howard Stern is another example. I mean, I don't know. I don't listen to him anymore, but I'm sure he might have said one or two things, but he's not vocal. He's not, vo- his daughter made Aliyah in Israel, which means she's, became, she's become a citizen of Israel. But yet, you don't hear anything from Howard Stern.
1: I try and look at this mostly from a, a Jewish perspective, like being anti-Semitism perspective, rather than just Israel. I, I have to say I have a vested interest in the state of Israel. I've got a lot of family there. I used to holiday there as a kid. I, I am I am a Zionist in the literal sense of the word. I don't think that Israel is beyond criticism, as any country should not be beyond criticism. But the issue that this has raised that's directly affected me and the people I care about, and I think it affects more people than i care to admit, is the rise of anti-Jewish hatred and violence because of this Israeli-Palestinian conflict. So let's put the conflict to one side, because the conflict is just an excuse for people to be more racist against Jews. What I don't understand is prominent Jewish voices or people who are close to or married to Jews or have relationships with Jews, personal and business relationships, why are they not standing up against it? Everybody you know and I know put a black tile on their social media after George Floyd was murdered in June 2020. Yeah, well, everybody, I didn't. no, not because me. I mean, I didn't, like, but I know what you're well, saying. Everybody okay. did. Yeah, okay, but everybody again, I'm generalising. It was a very common thing on social media. Yes, I personally didn't, but it. I, everybody that we know of it got involved in that, standing mm-hmm. up against anti-black racism, against police brutality, against black people why a because it was the right thing to do to say i agree that black lives matter too that was two. the right thing See, to that's do. that's
0: what i like it you added also, the two. yes
1: also, yeah so it was the right thing to do it was also the very trendy hip thing to do the point is everybody did it whether they, that as long as everybody got involved even if that was the limit of their involvement in the movement right? That was the baseline, putting a black tile on. Other people went on marches. Other people uh, got involved in other ways. But what about the other causes that were also the right thing to get involved in, but were not as cool, not as hip? There was a war in the Caucasus this summer. The Armenians of Artsakh were dispelled from their ancient homeland by Turkish-funded Azeri forces in the summer. Barely broke the headlines. Nobody apart from Serge Tankian or Armenian celebrities spoke out about it. I only know about it because I'm a big fan of Serge Tankian. Otherwise, I wouldn't have known about it at all. What about the Uyghur Muslims? Barely a blip. The Rohingyas? Barely a blip. The Syrians being displaced and massacred right now. Nobody gives a shit because, A, they're not cool enough. No one cares. And, B, it's not in the U.S. or the U.K.'s interest to shout about it because Syria are allies with Russia. And the point I'm trying to make is the hypocrisy that it was incredibly easy for people to say, hashtag BLM, to say, never Trump, to say, Brexit this, or let's all stand together because of COVID, right? Everybody was happy to do that, but they weren't happy to stand up against wrongs done to other people who were less in the public eye or people who just weren't cool enough to worry about or it's That's a trend I,
0: yeah it, it, i agree with you and i think it's kind of a trend and it unfortunately seems trendy now to be against jews i mean mm. that seems to be the trend and unfortunately I'm finding here, it stems from the top. You know, you look at people like Ilan Omar, Rashida Tlaib, AOC, Ayanna Pressley. I mean, these are very young people in Congress in the United States that are kind of taking over the whole Democratic Party. And, you know, yet we have friends that are so, uh, so woke and so left, but it goes against, it's antithetical to their whole cause. I mean, the whole point of being tolerant is to be tolerant, but their tolerance is against Jews. It's against uh, white people in some cases. It's just it's paradoxical it makes no sense I agree. I agree. so you know me and brad are living in this alternate universe between you know new york city we come to new jersey as you know as a same-sex couple our kids go to a yeshiva in new york city and you know we're stuck sometimes in a position where people expect us to be thinking one way when in fact we don't yeah and you know if you disagree with them it's just maddening. You know, Daniel, I have to say it's maddening. I don't know if there's any way out of this, but I do say it starts from the top. And I don't know if that's the same thing in the UK. It, do you think that, you know, like I said, it's for us, I believe it's coming from Congress. Do you feel the same thing in the UK, that it's coming from the higher ups?
1: Less so. We don't have our equivalent of the squad in the UK that I'm aware of. But there are, like, like you mentioned before, the celebrities are the new royal family the people who are the influencers. And a great example, because we're talking about cancel culture here, which I think is a huge issue because typically the people doing the canceling have got reasons to be canceled themselves by their own logic. Well, they do. uh, It backfires. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Yeah, it backfires. But people like J.K. Rowling, who has been not canceled, but was blasted. She was the author
0: of, just for the people to know, she was the author of the Harry Potter
1: books. In Correct. Correct. Yeah. And various other things as well. Incredibly talented writer. Now, she made some comments that were perceived to be transphobic and the woke police tried to cancel her. Now, let me also <laughs> state I'm against transphobia I'm pro trans and pro freedom to be however you want to be, whatever you want to identify as, whatever pronouns you want, keep them. That's fine. But what was JK Rowling actually doing? She was standing up for women's rights. She was saying, which in a was correct, that in some ways, trans rights are impinging upon women's rights. Without which, by the way, if there wasn't the movement to progress women's rights for generations, there would be no room for gay rights or trans rights today if it weren't for the people who fought for women's rights x a number of years ago. So to jump down her throat on that was a wholly incorrect thing to do, but it was seen as a very woke thing to do. Virtue signaling, look, I'm jumping on the bandwagon. She's transphobic. Oh my God, cancel her. But nobody actually read into what she meant. Nobody it doesn't matter. The, nobody the point, looked at the context. It doesn't
0: matter. And I'm glad they didn't because if you're going to go on this crusade, you know, sooner or later, you're going to start eating your own. And that's yeah. the way it's got to be because yeah. if you're not going to look at the context of anything don't look at the context of what she said either they're not looking into the context of anti-semitism they're not looking into the context of israel or the conflict and what's going on between you know hamas you know firing rockets into israel and not telling anyone where the rockets are going i mean that really is literally we're out for blood to kill you yeah i yeah. mean
1: it's a, it's a very distressing situation to be living in. And, yeah, it ties back into what we are talking about before. There is this strange marriage right now between hard-left, politically-leaning people like the Squad and radical Islamism. I don't understand it. People like AOC would not be safe for an hour walking the streets of Gaza wouldn't be safe in Lebanon, Syria, Iraq, Iran. The people fighting against, I'm not talking even about for the rights of Palestinians, against Israel and Jews all over the world, they're not serving themselves. It doesn't make any sense. It seems to be only for the sake of virtue signaling. Hence what I was talking about in my rant about the hypocrisy. The reason why you put BLM upon your social media was because you thought it would make you look good not because it would actually help and when you could actually do some good to help other communities one good thing to come out in recent months was the stop asian hate campaign absolutely stop asian hate but that was at the forefront of the media what about the more quiet things going on the groups of people who are being oppressed what about impoverished white people in middle america what about the rights of immigrants coming into America. There's so many things you can talk about. And granted, AOC can't solve every world problem just by hashtagging and tweeting about it. But choosing one over another because it will get you the better listener base or the audience, I'd say is a a hypocritical negative thing. It's a net bad thing for our society to only choose the trendy causes to fight for.
0: Well, I think other people are looking at it as trendy, but I do think um, people like Ilan Omar and Rashida Tlaib, for them, they have an agenda. They have an agenda to um, you know, take the support away from Israel, to support the BDS movement. I mean, they really have an agenda there. And unfortunately, all the people that look up to them or follow them on Twitter or Instagram are just following along. So we need bigger voices, and which is why I appreciate you, Daniel. Because you were somebody that I know that's been recording for, like you said, uh, you know, a while, and you've never talked about anti-Semitism or politics. So when I came across that, I thought, okay, that's pretty cool. I mean, finally, he's, you know, somebody's coming out. And, and you said, where are all the people calling to see how I am, how my kids are doing?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, you've yeah. got this platform. So I'm sure you have a lot of trolls and a lot of people that spew hate. Am I correct?
1: Yeah, yeah. Thankfully, it's not been anything we can't handle. but. It's par for the course. And, and the word that gets thrown around is, it sounds quite pompous I we'd say it's brave. It's brave of you to speak out. And I didn't realize that. I just thought I was talking on the platform I always talk on. I just put a video out of it. Now, I've spoken to quite a few people about this in recent weeks, about why they don't speak out, depending on the type of person. Uh, so someone said to me well it's very good of you to speak out obviously a lot of jews in the community they're business people so they've got something to lose or they're they, they're worried they're, they're worried about their personal safety let's say well wouldn't you rather go out fighting than on your knees if we're in a situation whereby it gets worse, like, at what point is the pot of water have you, have you ever heard the i think the analogy of the frog in the slowly boiling pot of water
0: no is that so, yeah. a british thing
1: I don't know, but a frog gets it. into a pot of water and he goes, ah, it's cool. It's fine. Nice, cool water. They turn on the, 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 the gas hob and the water starts <laughs> to get warmer. And you go, oh, it's getting warm in here. I like it. I like it warm. It's like a hot tub. And then suddenly you're finding the water's getting too hot. Suddenly it's boiling. And you're going, how did this happen? So well, you got into a pot of water that was starting to boil. At what point do we go, we should have stood up earlier? We could have done something. And one thing that has come back at me a lot mainly from the right-wing element of the Jewish communities. Well, stop your whinging, move to Israel. It's the only place we can be safe. 2,000 years' worth of history is the only place we can be safe. The people in Berlin assimilated, and were happy being being German before the Holocaust. And I'd say, well, okay, we have the benefit of that in our learned experience. We have the benefit of that in our history. I demand the right and the freedom to choose where I want to live, just as you do, Rich. Just as anybody from any background now, especially in the Western world, can say, right, okay, I grew up in an impoverished place. I want to go to somewhere nice. I want to follow the American dream and move to the U.S. Freedom. But why is it not okay for Jews to say, I want to stay living in the U.K.? I don't want to have to move to the one safe haven. I want to be able to go to Canada. Oh, well, Toronto's had some anti-Jewish riots right now. Okay, I want to go to Manhattan. Oh, shit, they threw fireworks at Jews in the streets there. I want to go to Baltimore. They shot someone there. I want to go to Germany. Oh, they pasted swastikas all over synagogues there. Why can't we be free to choose where we want to live? Only the Jews, it's not okay,
0: right, and, and also that's you know the hypocrisy, yeah, and it's also not the answer because it doesn't end in, in New York, it doesn't end in you know all these other countries, eventually, it makes its way to Israel, and then you have the whole world against Israel, so that's not an option uh, my, I mean. my
1: my my answer to that is Jews in the diaspora i e outside of Israel, just as anybody living anywhere play an important part of the societies in which they live. Not everybody, not every Jew is a doctor or a lawyer. There's taxi drivers, boxers, homeless people who are Jewish, all different types of Jews. But if you look at the history of it, just as with any group of people from a particular ethnic background, we contribute to the societies in which we live. I'm proud that I grew up in the UK, that my family had to flee Eastern Europe to survive. I'm proud they chose to be here. I've got family living in the the US and Canada and Israel and everywhere all over the world. They're proud of their history there. And do you find... Yeah, I'm sorry. I was going to say, but then there were times people have felt unsafe and they then had to leave. I would argue that if we can do something to make a change now, to make it safe for people to continue living where they want to live, that's a positive thing.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, it's crazy when I watch the news and I see that this anti-Semitism is not just happening in New York City, in LA, it's happening all over the world and everywhere. And the silence is deafening to me. It's deafening. And it amazes yeah. me, as I said earlier, but I can't help but say it that we have all these celebrities that have these platforms that speak about Asian hate, and you know George Floyd. Why aren't they speaking up about anti-Semitism? And I think this is where um, I think this is where things need to change. But I don't know how realistic
1: that is. I would like to plug. I mentioned David Bedil earlier. He's a British comedian, and songwriter, and general great great personality in the UK's uh, comedy world. He wrote a book that's come out this year called Jews don't count. And it starts off with quite an emotional, like to my mother who definitely did count. And it talks about all the reasons why in society it's proven time and time again, that Jews just don't count. Why are we held to a different standard? Why are we treated differently? Why is this okay? And the argument is it, it is not okay. So if you're somebody who purports to be someone who's against hypocrisy, against the oppression of one group of people over another, start treating Jews like they actually count.
0: What do you teach your kids? Do you talk to your seven-year-old about any of this yet?
1: So, yes, to some extent. um, Tell me, what
0: do you say? Because we say nothing.
1: So it's difficult talking to them about ongoing issues. But something that's come up quite a bit is, Daddy, are there still Nazis in the world? And that's come up because, I don't know if you've ever seen this movie, um, Bedknobs and Broomsticks. It's an Angela Lansbury movie from the 1960s, set in the UK during the Second World War. And it imagines a situation where the the German forces actually land on the beaches of Britain. And with this whimsical, childish film, they beat away the Germans and they go who are they well they were the Germans the Nazis why do they want to invade let like people that are tra- and we had to get into the conversation about Nazis and who they were and why do some people in the community have numbers tattooed on their arms so we have had to explain that to them that historically there are groups of people who don't like people who are different there are people out there who don't like people who are different from them. And his, in history, there's a group of people called the Nazis who didn't like Jewish people. Are there any Jew- Nazis left? Well, thankfully not many, but there are people out there who still don't like Jewish people for one reason or another. Why don't they like us? And one question that one of our kids said was, well, why have they not even met us? Said, well... How do I answer that? It's heartbreaking having to explain to a seven year old girl who goes to a school with kids of a variety of different backgrounds, lots of Jewish kids, granted, but one of her closest friends is this girl who's of a Nigerian background. And I have not taught her to be kind to this girl because you shouldn't be horrible to kids of other backgrounds, the, the different skin color. Uh, but she just knows it because she's immersed in other people. And I I I don't want to get upset about it, but like talking about tattooing, we were going to see some friends of ours. One of our friends is covered in tattoos, and I said, "By the way, we're going to go and see Simon." By the way, his skin looks a bit different. Don't make a big deal. And she goes, "Daddy." what, is she black? Why would I make a big deal of that? <laughs> and I went, no, 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 she's tattooed. And as, as I'm trying to explain, she's like, daddy, there's nothing wrong with someone having different colored skin. And I'm like, no, 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 he's covered in tattoos of like pizza slices <laughs> and skulls and things. And, and so I never taught her that. She's learned that by being around people of other backgrounds, of different races, yeah. and having to explain to them that, by the way, you are disliked because you are the Jew. I've not really got into that yet and it'll it'll have to happen and it terrifies me.
0: I think it's painful, I know. We're, you know, me and Brad say we Brad and I say that we want to keep our kids as innocent for as long as we can keep them innocent in every way. I mean, I was a news junkie for a very long time. I just had to wean myself off because it got a little bit too um frustrating for me. But we never discussed it with the kids, you know, we never. They'd go to school and come back saying things about Donald Trump that were so not nice and not true and I actually called the school and they said no it's in the playground so i mean my kids were what five or six at that time and i'm thinking who talks to their kids and says stuff like donald trump is an asshole and he puts kids in cages i mean parents do that to their kids and i think when you say your daughter knows you haven't really taught her but you did i do believe upbringing is everything i think upbringing is everything and how you do it
1: yeah so in a similar sense during the December part of we had a third lockdown in the UK December Christmas time and the prime minister Boris Johnson came on TV and gave a national address which is a big deal it doesn't it historically doesn't happen often but it's happened quite a lot in the last year now i didn't vote for the conservative party to win i'm not a big fan of the conservative party in the UK i'm not a fan of labor or any of the parties in particular but the prime minister comes on the TV and the kids are still awake I'm not going to say he's a lunatic, he's bad. No, he's the prime minister of our country. He's addressing the nation, talking about something that's horrendous and unprecedented, and you respect the office. I might not agree with anything he says, but my kids are not going to grow up politically partisan because I was screaming at the TV saying, I don't like the prime minister. It's just it. I think what we try and educate our kids with are facts that might be uncomfortable, but things we think that they can stomach at this point. I think it's important for them to understand that they are going to they are going to experience hatred because they're Jews. I first experienced anti-Semitism when I was maybe four or five years old.
0: How do you remember? Do you remember how?
1: Yeah, well, I went to a Jewish primary school that uh-huh. had the 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 playground for the kids was on the corner of like a, a main road like a, a feeder road into manchester city center so always cars going past people walking past the gates of the school and occasionally people would shout yid kike and just slurs uh, 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 as we were four or five years old and i didn't know what that meant i just know that they didn't mean something good <laughs> they weren't complimenting I, I, yeah, you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they weren't saying, I, "Really enjoying that." You, you scored a great goal in soccer <laughs> right. at the playground. It was, it was a negative thing. And then, throughout my life, various aspects. I, I, I haven't always worn a Magen David, a Star of David, but when I was about sixteen to eighteen years old, I used to wear a kippah, a yarmulke, a head covering. And I'd be walking through the city center with my friends at night, going to a pub or a club or whatever. And I had a pint of beer thrown at me by a guy in an outdoor beer garden. Like, you fucking Jew. Just, why? Why? Because I'm walking whilst Jewish. That's why. And so our kids are going to experience it. They just are. Well, they may
0: experience it more now because you have this platform. And doesn't that frighten you for your kids? You know, Brad yeah. tells me, you know, try to, you know, this was supposed to be a lifestyle fashion podcast when I started Made it. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, how fucking boring. I mean, how fucking boring. So, you know, of course it didn't. I'm always off the rails on everything. And Brad's usually next to me. And sometimes I see him cringing. And he says, listen, we have kids. Just, you know, think of the safety of our kids. I mean, do you yeah. ever feel that
1: way? Absolutely. Yeah. You've noticed that I don't mention my kids' names. There's no photos of them on social media that I've put up. They're they're anonymous. And yeah, the the conversations, Victoria and I, Victoria runs the podcast with me, but we've had endless conversations about, well, do we want to, we want to be open, but not open so that we're airing our dirty laundry, putting ourselves at risk. And yeah, there is a risk to trying to be someone in the public eye or talking openly about things that a lot of people don't like. and what I would hope is that anybody with any sense who listens to more than three seconds of a podcast I put out there understands that I, I'm just trying to be authentic. I'm not trying to arm someone against somebody else. There are things I talked about. People assumed that because I was anti Jewish hatred, I was a right wing person. No That makes no
0: sense. Do you know that makes no sense to me?
1: No. And then I had other people think because I was talking about um I, I had a non-binary guest on the show, people were going, oh, woke lefty. So no, I'm just a person just like you, and my politics are I want to be loved, so I love other people. I think that we we should all try and create this world and grow this world so it benefits all of us. So I, I've got some some conservative tendencies, some liberal tendencies, and Like I mentioned before, politically homeless. And if anyone engages with the platform I'm on, hopefully they'll understand that. I'm just trying to talk to people and at the same time, talk a bit about me too. That's it.
0: I think it's terrific. I don't know if you remember Joan Rivers. Do you remember who Joan Rivers?
1: Yeah, Yeah. hilarious. Hilarious, amazing.
0: I mean, she died in the most... At the most inconvenient time for us Jews, because let me tell you, she was such a Zionist and an activist for Jews, and she was not afraid to say anything. And before she died, actually, when they were talking about Donald Trump was running, she said, I think he would be terrific. He's a businessman. I mean, I miss her. And it's funny, I had Melissa Rivers on the show um, earlier back and we were talking about cancel culture and you know Melissa kind of agrees she totally is on the same page but you know she also has to be careful because she lives in the middle of kind of Hollywood so everyone's mm. kind of choosing their words very carefully lucky for me I'm a nobody I can say whatever I
1: want <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I think Joan Rivers would be probably the person everyone would be shoving a microphone at in this day and age because There aren't anyone, no one is like that anymore. No one calls out bullshit anymore like that. And no, no, that's not true. There are people who do, and on incredibly prominent platforms. Joe Rogan, I'd argue, is one. Again, heavily misunderstood. People think he's incredibly right-wing. He's not. No, Um,
0: I think I think actually the opposite. I think he's kind of left-wing. He was a Bernie Sanders supporter, and when he told me the when he said the reason why on his show, I just you know I was like I'm out.
1: Yeah. yeah, (laughs) Do you remember what his
0: reasoning was? The reason why he was a Bernie supporter? Because he was consistent throughout his career. I mean, is that a reason? If you're consistent wanting to you know, let's say enslaved kids, you know, not that is just because he's consistent, that's a reason to support him. Like, I so, think he, I think yeah. he was a closeted, you know, a Republican or closeted uh, conservative.
1: Well, just come out of the fucking again. closet. Well, again i've listened to a lot of joe rogan over the years and you'll hear him say things like i was a bernie supporter because he was consistent then he was an angry andrew yang supporter because of his attitude towards universal basic income and one of his good friends is dan crenshaw the conservative uh senator now he's, he's he's got friends in all places and i think that is something i try and emulate is why should i say i'm not talking to you because you voted blue instead of red or vice versa i think that If you have the same values as me, which just just be do your best with the resources available, then I'll talk to you. I'll talk to you. But if you've got someone spouting hatred, you've got someone spouting nonsense because they didn't do their homework, that's when we've got a problem.
0: Right. So I agree with you 100%. I mean, me and Brad had lost friends, not even because we were vocal, people had found out, I guess, where we stood in certain areas. So we were kind of iced out a little bit. But I have no problem with anything or anybody. I think that if you share the same values as me, please come with us. You know, if you have good character, You know, hang out with me. I want to be with you. These are the people who I would like for me and my family to be surrounded by. Uh, That being said, I don't know if I believe that uh, people like Joe Rogan or Howard Stern are being honest. I don't. I mean, I I really don't. I mean, I've listened to Howard Stern my entire life. I don't believe for a second he is for open borders and defunding the police and all that other nonsense. You know, I think that, you know, it's just he doesn't want to lose his celebrity base.
1: Mm. So I'm a, I'm a diehard Joe Rogan fan, and there are plenty of things he says I don't agree with. Just because I'm a fan of what he says and what he does doesn't mean I'm going to go hunting elk or start throwing kettlebells around like a psychopath. <laughs> right, but, of course yeah, not. Yeah, so, so I think you can also pick and choose elements of people, what you do like, and you don't have to dis- dismiss them for others. Mark Maron is another podcaster who I absolutely love. Do I agree with all of his left sentiments? No, but... I'll, I, I'll engage with what he's saying and I'll listen. Right. There's the, I, I, if you'd have said to me a year ago, here, listen to this podcast with Ben Shapiro, I would have said, fuck off. I'm not listening to that lunatic. But then I've heard him on a podcast where it's long form. People call him out on his shit and I go, okay, I don't agree with him, but I understand what he's saying. That doesn't mean I have to agree with him. And I think that is something that's very important, whether you like Joe Rogan or not, that type of platform is good. A net good because it has people from all backgrounds, all opinions talking in a very long form, nuanced way. And it allowed, like you and I talking right now, we might not agree on everything, but if I said something you didn't agree with, you'd call me on it, and vice versa. We're not creating this sanitized, quick fire, let's all circle jerk type scenario. We <laughs> want to have a chat, we want to have a conversation. Right. And that is what I think will be a positive force in the world as time goes by. They get rid of the political debates where it's three seconds to answer one question, shout at each other. No, let's talk. Let's discuss. You have your opinions. I have mine. Let's debate them. And I think honest, open, educated conversation is definitely part of the way forward. It's not going to fix everything, but it's definitely part of it. Listen, I
0: appreciate you coming on Rich in Life. I think this was such a great conversation. I agree with you in so many aspects. Um, But I will also say when I don't have trust for what somebody is saying is real, (laughs) I do get turned off. I'm like, you know, I, I don't know. And I could be wrong. He might be right. But if I just get that vibe, then I just, you know, I tune out. But I will say what I love about you and your podcast is you're so authentic. I mean, from everything from, you know, your uncle, the story about your uncle, who you have the picture right in back of you now. I mean, everything with his bipolar and, you know, everything you've gone through in your family, I think is incredible. So I thank you for making the time, especially now, I'm sure your wife is wondering, you know, why aren't you helping out with the kids?
1: (laughs) Always. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I deliberately do things when it's time for bath and feeding. (laughs) I make sure that's when I'm, I'm busy.
1: Well, I I do my best with some things and some things I'm woefully inadequate. But uh, yeah, my my wife is the the reason why I I do anything and why I can do anything. She's I I hate calling her my wife. Victoria is a real yeah. She's you she's, should be proud. She's, she's my wife. No, but it sounds chauvinistic to me. And she she's my partner, my everything, my. Yeah, ball. She sounds really cool. I've
0: heard you talk about her before. She sounds really cool, and um, those kids. God bless
1: them. Like Joan Rivers, she doesn't suffer bullshit. She's
0: great. So that's great. So you've got a good partner. You met a good match early in life. That's right. Lucky you. I'm ready to smother Brad in his sleep. We're together 20 years. So (laughs) let's see who's going to make it out. It's the only problem is I don't want to be stuck alone with the kids. I think that's my only thing. If I do that, then I'm stuck alone. So we're going to see who wins this battle. But oh, Daniel, Rich, it's a pleasure so having you on.
1: Thank you so much, Rich. This was really, really fun. It was wonderful.
0: Thank you. I loved it and I, I love your story and hopefully we'll get to do it again soon. Absolutely. All right, Daniel. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Rich in Life with Rich Arani. If you liked what you've heard, click subscribe so you don't miss out on future episodes or visit us at richinlife.com. That's R-I-T-C-H in life
1: dot com.